What's up? Welcome back to Barton and Bud. Uh, I'm Barton Simmons. He's Bud Elliott. This is, uh, I, I guess, we're, 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 we're in like a full-fledged game week. Last week, we were in sort of a, a warm-up appetizer game week. This week, we've got Clemson playing Wake, Notre Dame playing Duke. We've got Iowa State playing one of the best group of five teams in the country in Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We've got real games. So we better hustle up and finish up some of our, our preseason sort of prognosticating. We were digging in last week, bud, to the, the Big 12. Uh, we kind of had some observations, thoughts on the middle of the pack, the middle class, if you will, uh, leaving out the, the upper class. And I think... Uh, of note, first of all, you and I both think that Iowa State is among the upper class this year, or at least, uh, how would you phrase it? I mean, I think Iowa State. I, I think Iowa State is is a contender to win a Pac-12 championship or a Big 12 championship, at least a contender to be in the Big 12 championship game. Is that are you are, are you willing to say that uh, go that far? Yeah, I, I think there are four, and Oklahoma yeah. State is is where I draw that line as far as who's in. Like, I, I don't think TCU can. I don't think Baylor can. We, we discussed them in the last episode and honestly we discussed Iowa State in the last episode if you want our take on Iowa State which we absolutely include uh, in the four just listen to about the last 10 minutes of the last Barton and Bud show really appreciate y'all's five-star reviews but man that means we have three teams to go here Oklahoma State Texas and OU and I think we should probably start uh, with your kind of your adopted team this year the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys but back when we did the playoff draft you you picked them to go to the playoff this has been your team, lay it on me, man. What, what do you know about Oklahoma State? What, why do you believe that they can be a, a real upper-crust team in that league this year? Yes, my Cowboys. Uh, and my Cowboy, my, my, my affinity, we were joking before, my affinity for the Cowboys has taken a slight hit given the off-the-field um, or, or maybe locker room uh, discord that we saw. I mean, that's... That's that's something like that doesn't exactly give me like the feel goods for for a season picking a dark horse. But uh, nonetheless, I think just like when you're just looking at this team. So you, you've got a guy in Mike Gundy that is kind of a perennial 10 win coach. I mean, he's gone eight and five, seven and six the last two years. I've only got his previous three years pulled up in front of me, but those were all 10 win seasons. Like this is not a this this is not a big deal for him to have a ten win season, and so my my thoughts on Oklahoma State, and if you if you heard me if you see me talk or whatever if you read my stuff like you kind of maybe have heard this this spiel before but like it's just if if not now when is is the Mike Gundy team cycle up they have a returning really talented quarterback and Spencer Sanders that goes into his second year that was a little bit boomer bust as a player last year. But if you cut out some of the bust and you maximize some of the boom, like you're, you're in a pretty good shape. I mean, that guy's got a high ceiling. You have Chuba Hubbard, maybe the best running back in the country. Uh, you have Tylen Wallace who our own Chris Hummer predicted would win the Bolitnikoff this year. Uh, per, you know, he is very arguably like you could make a case. He is one of the top, like if not the toppers here in the country, like he's in that in that upper threshold. So this and and, so, and then you return. Like yes, the defense is still, I'd say by definition, average last year. But you do return ten starters on that average defense, and you also get a couple guys back from injury. 
that weren't on that defense last year that would that will boost it this year. You get guys like Trace Ford, who's a true freshman last year in the defensive line, who was really good as a true freshman. Like, how good can he be as a sophomore? Um, and and then on the offensive side of the ball, again, not you know, you, you not only do you have the, the the big three, but you have depth around them. So I'm just looking around, and and it's it's actually a nice year. To, and and the the joke for me has always been like, why do you think Mike Gunny wants to play so bad? Because Look at his team. And so I, I think the, the COVID situation obviously puts a, an unpredictable Billy element to all of this. But if this was just a normal season, I would feel really good about Oklahoma State just almost playing like the numbers. Like, okay, A, Mike Gundy is, is sort of due to cycle up anyways. But B, this is probably his best team. This is probably the best team he's ever had at Oklahoma State. And now, okay, let's look across the way. Texas, sure, they're talented. Sure, they, they, they feel like they're a title contender. Sure, they feel like they're a playoff contender, but they haven't been. So, like, we can't expect them to be. And Oklahoma, while they are as good as, as ever, this is absolutely the year to get them. And we haven't, and we'll break down Oklahoma, but the COVID related issues and the just, roster attrition this cycle is is getting to be a little bit of a problem there so it's not as if the you know you've got some uh insurmountable odds to beat the teams above you in the in the sort of traditional pecking order and this is your year anyway so that that's like that's my 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 long spiel about why Oklahoma State is legit I I think they're legit and uh I, I don't. I don't. I like no longer am apologetic about that. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's a legitimate, like, you know, sound take that Oklahoma State is is going to make a really strong run this year. So, in listening to you, the one thing that kind of sticks out to me is that this was already a, a solid team, right? They were kind of a upper third, maybe upper quarter team in, in college football last year. I, I think you could say, I mean, 130 teams. Yeah, upper quarter kind of seems about right. They were pretty competitive in most of their games. They, they had four that kind of stood out as kind of stinkers where either they got blown out or maybe the box score says that they probably should have gotten blown out at Texas, at Texas Tech, uh, Baylor. Three of those came within a four-week span where they were kind of in a funk. Uh, and then Oklahoma uh, pretty much dominated them last year to end the year. But there were a lot of games in which they were pretty impressive. And the one thing that I like about this team – Actually, there's a lot of things I like about this team. But the one thing I really like about this team, Barton, is that there's not – they don't have to have massive improvement in a whole bunch of areas in order to reach their ceiling. If they just have one or two more things go right for them, I think they can be a pretty good ball club. So Sanders last year, if you like Sanders, it's because you actually watched him. It's not a numbers thing because he was a freshman. His overall production was was not – amazing right he was 16 to 11 touchdown interception maybe there's some bad luck baked in there yards per attempt 7.4 is pretty good in most leagues not really that great in you know the big 12 because that's more of a wide open league you need to be kind of in that eight eight and a half range if you really want to do something there and and impress there but then he throws in and he has 738 rushing yards so you, you rush for 700 you throw for 2000 as a freshman I think he's a guy because of all the continuity around him who could take a step this year? They're clearly pretty high on him, and I think he has ability. It's not like, not like he has no chance to improve. I think he probably will improve. You have you have Hubbard, who they can lean on as one of the premier backs 
in the country. You have Wallace, who is somebody who pretty much demands a double team as a number one. I mean, last year, they targeted him 87 times. This year, I have to think he's probably going to have more than 100 balls thrown his way. Defensively, they actually were not terrible last year. They, there were some things that they did that were, that were pretty solid. I think there are some areas in which they can improve. Uh, but the number one thing that I see is they, they need to – they need to force more like obvious passing situations and not get caught in that like third and three, second and six range quite as often. Because when they did, they were really susceptible to giving up the explosive play deep. So they've got to do a better job somehow of of you know getting to second and eight more more often than you get to second and six, of getting to third and five more often than third and three. Uh, but they also have to do a better job of doing that while at the same time not selling all out against the run and, and giving up the big play over the top. I'll throw this at you. We've seen the depth chart come out. How concerned are you about the Oklahoma State offensive line? They got the transfer in in, in Sills uh, from West Virginia, but they've had some attrition here on the offensive line of late. How concerned are you about this? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to poke holes in Oklahoma State, you're going to poke holes at two spots. You're going to poke holes. Well, I mean, maybe you could just say the defense is just not going to be good enough. But but I, I actually kind of think the defense is going to be very not not like dominant, but but good. Um, offensive line certainly won uh, because they did lose. Like two guys got dismissed. Another guy basically just like retired. Um, they did get a, a transfer in Josh Sills, which is which is helpful. Uh, they've, you know, it's, it's, it's a, they're going to start, I think a red shirt freshman, um, at one of the other spots. So like a newcomer there, uh, it, it is, it, that's, I didn't mention the offensive line. Like when I went, when I ran through all the bullet points of why I like Oklahoma state, I didn't mention the offensive line because it's, it is not a, um, it's not a strength and there is some uncertainty there, but it's crazy because this is the era we are in college football. You can you can survive without a great offensive line. Like you can be pretty, you can be really good without a great offensive line. Like you, as long as you have a system that's proven, you can be a really good team without a great offensive line. And they're, they've got a system that's proven. Mike Gundy's system is proven. And not only that, but they, there's no new coordinator coming in, mixing things up. You know, they, the, the, um, they lost the guy that went to Rutgers. They they promoted from within and Casey Dunn, who's a guy that's just sort of is going to run Gundy stuff. And so I'm just maybe I should be a little bit more worried about the offensive line. I just don't think in modern day football, as long as your offensive line isn't terrible, then you, you got as and as long as like your offense isn't geared towards leaning on the offensive line, which is not the case for all offenses, but I think it is the case for Oklahoma State. I'm just not that worried about it. I think honestly, if if you're gonna make a case, if if my blinds if I have a blind spot here on Oklahoma State. It might be what use we're talking about, which is Spencer Sanders, which is the idea that maybe I did just get a little bit too seduced by Spencer Sanders' ability, athleticism, like pop, arm talent, and and less measured about evaluating his numbers. Because the reality is he was turnover prone. The reality is he he was he did have an up and down year. And so I am the projection I'm making with Oklahoma State is a projection to a next step. And if that doesn't come, then yeah, I guess all bets are off. Like if Spencer Sanders is 16 and 11 again this year, like eh, that's probably not going to be a big 12 championship team. But I think, you know, if you, if, if we do see a, 
and improve Spencer Sanders, that, that's when I started getting really confident here. Look, and that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I certainly can see Oklahoma State winning the Big 12 because of that the returning superstar power. And I, I think you make a good argument that, look, their offensive line should be fine if they stay healthy, right? It's not like they have to face a lot of elite defensive lines in that league. And maybe the only concerns is if, if they get hit with COVID, what, what does their depth look like there on the offensive line? I, I think Spencer Sanders can, can make a jump for them this year. Um, another team who we need to see make a jump this year, coach who has, has a little pressure on him, Let's head down to Austin, man. UT, Texas, last year, kind of disappointing, man. Eight, eight and five. They fire their offensive defensive coordinators. They, they, they get new guys with, uh, with Chris Ash coming in on the defense. And, um, and I'm totally blanking on the offensive coordinator's name here, uh, which is probably not great podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Yursich. Yursich, exactly. Yeah. So two guys who, who have some pretty you know, proven success as coordinators come in. And I – I revealed today in our our, uh, our Big Twelve or, or excuse me our, our national predictions. I I have Texas winning the Big Twelve. I'm I didn't see that. This is dangerous. Wow. Okay, because it's it's preseason hype, man. I, I'm I I think I'm buying into the, to this Texas team. Uh, part of it is just because I, I wrote down in little notes myself like sell Texas 2019, buy Texas 2020. Because I thought the media hype on Texas last year was unjustified and pretty loud after the, after you came off that Sugar Bowl win that they had uh, against Georgia. But I like a lot of the pieces on this team. I think they have some decent depth at some spots. I, I have a quarterback who I really think I can trust. You know, I haven't always loved Sam Ellinger as, as, a, as a thrower, but he was 32-10 and 10 last year. You know, they, they, they leaned on him to be a large part of that offense. 454 you know, passes. He also ran 129 times for, for 850. Doesn't turn the ball over very much. Uh, no lost fumbles. So the, those ten picks were were the only turnovers that he had. Sixty five percent completions. I think they have enough weapons on the outside. Like losing Deverne is is a pretty big deal for them. But I have to think the run game will be better this year, which should help their, their play action. And kind of quietly, Texas offensive line last year it improved. Man, they they got better. And offensive line for Texas has been a, a, a problem area. Uh, for quite a while. So I, I'm a person who's going to value continuity on offense. They have personnel continuity. They don't really have scheme continuity, which is a concern of mine because they you know, went ahead and did the coordinator changes. And I think if you give Tom Herman the, the, truth, the truth serum, right, and you say, hey, Tom, if you had known that COVID was coming and you wouldn't have a spring and you wouldn't have a summer, do you think he actually fires both coordinators again and, and hires a, a Chris Ash on defense and, and a Mike Yersich on, on offense? I, personally, I think those are really good hires. I just don't know if you would want to make double coordinator changes in kind of the weirdest offseason that we've ever seen. And yet, I, even doing so, I kind of weirdly trust this Texas team because I, I think they can block. I, I, I really like Ellinger, as maybe not as a, a pro guy, but I think he's a damn good college quarterback, dude. I, I, I trust this team, and defensively, man, they've been recruiting way, way too well to be 68th in SP plus defense last year. I know they had a lot of injuries and youth in the back end. They should be better on the back end this year. I, I think they've got a pass rush that, that they can, they can do something with. There's an argument to me that this is the best team in the league. It's not an obvious argument. Obviously Oklahoma is the incumbent, but I, there's a lot to like here. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the offense is going to be really good. 
Uh, Tariq Black is is displaced. Brennan Eagles, their leading returning receiver as the starting uh, receiver. They've got the young guys, Jake Smith and Jordan Whittingham or Whittington rather, uh, stepping in at that at other wide receiver spots. Um, the running back room has all of a sudden got really good depth. We we know what Sam Ellinger brings. Offensive line, like you mentioned, I mean they've got like. You know, Samuel Cosme is being mocked in the first round, and and uh, Junior Angelau is is a really good player as well. Like, I, yeah, it's there's a lot to like there. I think Mike Yurcich was a good hire. I, I'm actually not at all worried about Texas's offense, and I guess to a degree, I mean Texas offense has never really been of of concern under Tom Herman, even if they've not necessarily maybe taken that huge leap that some people might have expected with Tom Herman. But I mean, hey, like give them credit. Last year they didn't they didn't really have much to speak of at the running back position. They converted a quarterback to to a running back. Keontae Ingram was banged up, and they they found a way. And so I, I think that the the offense sound. My, my concern with Texas is, and their secondary is loaded. We've talked about that. We know how good their their secondary is. You have Jalen Green didn't even win a starting job, who's maybe their most talented the bunch, and. Um, and so I'm not worried about the back end, but I, I do, my, my concern for Texas is the front seven, it's depth, particularly at the linebacker position. It's sort of the, the stoutness of their, their, their defensive line, um, up front, you know, Joseph Osai is really good on the edge, but how, just how good is this Texas team going to be if it has to really be, um, like a physical anchor against a tough team and that that's that's sort of my concern and then and they're switching systems like the the chris ash system and the todd orlando system is very different uh they you know i would assume a a big portion of this is going to be simplifying things i assume chris ash is going to simplify things uh uh, and and as he switches to that four-man front but i just can't i'm 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 not where I can trust this team to me. And that's where I'd be scared picking them to, to be big 12 champions is I just don't know how this team is one that, that we can look at and be, uh, I don't know, comp super confident in. Yes. I, I fully acknowledge that they have that sort of upside. I fully acknowledge they have that sort of roster of talent. Uh, but I, I don't have confidence that a year after, you know, losing two of their last three games, three of their last five, uh, that that somehow this team is going to be, you know, a, a, a Big 12 championship team. I, I just need to see a little bit more, uh, yeah, I guess, toughness, like on the defensive side of the ball in particular. Like, just show me a little bit of more mental toughness and and sort of, um, uh, you know, and, 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 and let's see that talent really, like, become what it's supposed to be um right now it just feels like a lot of untapped talent so we'll see i mean that hey, maybe chris ask can get that done but i, I that that's my my hold up there and look maybe he can't right like we, we don't know that, that that he can maybe he can um maybe he can't i a couple areas that i do want to see texas improve uh defensively i i believe in their pass rush because i i believe in the personnel but last year this pass rush did not get it done 90th uh, or excuse me, 104th last year in sack rate. 104th is terrible, and, and that was they were even worse on, on passing down sack rate. So like when 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 opponents knew they were coming and they and like they should have the leverage as a defense, 
they never got home. That's kind of my main concern of, about about their their defense, you know, overall. I I have some concerns about their defense against the run, but I, I just feel like they have better bulk than, than they used to have. I, I think they'll be able to eat up blocks better. Um, losing Malcolm Roach sucks, but pretty much everybody else important for them as, as far as their, their best run defenders are back. Uh, and then offensively, I, I want to see more quick strike out of these guys, right? They were extremely good last year. Uh, you know, Sam on the short passing stuff was really good. Their run game was, you know, was was mostly fine. But I, I want to see, I want to see a better job out of Ellinger in the past game on, on the deep stuff. And last year, maybe that was just like who was their best deep guy last year? I mean, Duvernay was kind of their best everything. But you know, Colin Johnson didn't have a, a, a good year. Brennan Eagles, I mean, five hundred twenty-two yards was was their. You know, he was like number two or three on, on their receiver chart. Can can somebody step up for them and and become a, a deep threat who they can actually trust? I, I think that's gonna be really key. Maybe it is Trick Black. I could see it be like I, I think that's what he provides. Um and, and we've only seen flashes of him because of his injuries, but he's he is a little bit to me a little similar to just the Clemson prototype of just outside receiver with some size that can that has good body control, then go make plays. I'm not saying he is those guys, but I, I think that's that's what you're hoping, that maybe he can be that sort of prototype. And, and I guess Brennan Eagles probably played that role a good bit for Texas last year when, when he made his plays. I mean, that's he's got elite speed. And so, you know, between those two, you think that's there. I, I'm, I am um, I'm really excited and anxious to see if, if the Jordan Whittington, Jake Smith, you know, second-year guys can – can step in for, for, uh, Duvernay. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a, look, it's a, it's an intriguing team, but this is another year. And, and in a, in a season in which there's so much turmoil, so much upheaval, so much uncertainty, inconsistency, I, I, f- I would be very leery trusting a team that has been inconsistent, that has, sort of been uh, like I, I like the teams that just we that that their 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 identity is 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 toughness their identity is um a a roster full of guys that maximize their ability and I don't think that's Texas's identity right now you know may, maybe maybe they prove me wrong this year but I don't think that that is how that's not how I would describe Texas's program and so I think this is a year where those sort of teams could be the ones that that find the most success. Um, you know, fight through adversity at a different level. And so we'll uh, we'll see. You know, maybe I'm proven wrong, and this is the year Texas really breaks through on that front. Well, and the other thing that we've always kind of criticized Tom Herman teams for, you know, for being once he became a head coach, is that he has his teams ready to play in the underdog role. He typically yeah. has his teams very ready to play in those big time games. But he does have sort of a troubling habit of having his teams uh, slip up more than than they should when they are like a decent favorite, not an overwhelming favorite, but just you know maybe a touchdown or two touchdown favorite, a game that we think they should win, but it's not easy. Maybe his maybe he allows his team to think they should win very easily, and thus they kind of come out a little bit flat. Maybe they don't take him quite as seriously in practice that week, not because Herman is dictating that they don't, but motivationally, I think he's a guy who's very good at getting his team up. Uh, when they have to be up, 
but he doesn't do a great job so far in his career of getting his team uh, to be consistently up each week enough. There's a whole season of letdown spots. The whole season, every week is a letdown spot. Just by the nature of the season, the nature of the crowd, the nature of everything, every game is a letdown spot. So, you know, Tom Herman didn't great in letdown spots. It's the same. It's the same argument I made for 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 Miami on a different on on. Uh, we've talked ACC, like, you know, it's this. I mean, doesn't mean that it's it's going to happen, but it it is. I think it's a fair critique for for this year. All right. So after the break, we're going to talk about the team who uh, we should probably actually be picking to to win <laughs> the Big Twelve, just based on history, president, et cetera, and uh, that'll be Oklahoma. So a- after this ad break, we'll get into the Sooners. All right, dude, it's time to talk about the Sooners. This is a team that I think both you and I like, but maybe for different reasons we aren't quite as in love with uh, as as we might otherwise have been. So take it away. What what are your general thoughts? What are your questions? What are your concerns? What are your hopes for this Sooners team? Okay, first thing is I think Oklahoma is the best team in the Big 12, the best, certainly the best program in the Big 12 right now. But... I do think that Oklahoma, Oklahoma is with great offense, great quarterback play, um, great skill. Like there's, they recruit at a really high level in those, those places, in those spots. Uh, and they recruit at a high level across the board. But I do think that there is a difference between the difference. I said, let me see. There's a difference between the gap um, that separates Oklahoma and the talent level in the rest of the Big 12 and the gap that separates, say, Ohio State and anyone else that they play or the gap that separates the Alabama, Georgia, LSU tier in the SEC and everyone else. Like those teams who are playing for national championships are like, and and Oklahoma is among them, but like I think that Oklahoma is among them as a product of really good coaching Really good players on offense, really good quarterback play, not as a product of one through 22 blue chip freaks. And so when we talk about Oklahoma as compared to the rest of the conference, I don't think I, I don't give Oklahoma the same benefit of the doubt of talent's going to trump all in this COVID era in the same way I do some of these other programs that, you know, the Clemsons of the world that, that we were otherwise talking about. So with that said, you know, and that's a, that's sort of any year. And so with that said, then let's consider what Oklahoma is this year. Oklahoma this year is bring is is playing a redshirt freshman quarterback who is incredibly talented, is probably a future Heisman Trophy winner, is probably a future first round draft pick, but he's still in year one as a starter. And so in year one as a starter, there's still probably going to be a a game or two where he doesn't play great. Um, and so I think that that is, is a vulnerability that yeah, Oklahoma really hadn't had in, in several years. Um, now granted, maybe he's, maybe he's, you know, trumps them all, but, but I think he's to, the expectation is he is still a first year starter. There's also the running back depth that has been decimated. You know, Trey Sermon transfers out. Kennedy Brooks is, uh, opting out. Um, Ramondre Stevenson is suspended for half the year. Uh, that leaves like three scholarship running backs, one of them a true freshman. So, uh, you know, that that's not great. Um, I think that there's 
the offensive line will still be good. They've, they've got a lot of really talented skill players, uh, particularly in that sophomore class, as those guys sort of step forward as, as, as the primary players. But then you get to the defensive side of the ball, and Jalen Redmond opts out, who's their you know, potential early-round draft pick. Uh, Ronnie Perkins, also a guy that's dealing with suspensions. The defense still is, is, still is just average, um, and, and it's improved to get to average. And so it's not necessarily that I don't believe in Oklahoma. It's not even that I don't think that they can win a, a Big 12 championship because clearly there, there's it's probably more likely than not that they do win the Big 12 championship this year. I'm just saying, like, if there's a year where someone's going to catch them, where someone, hit, like, catch them slipping for one, one season, this is the year. Like, next year, 2021 – I think it's right back to same old Oklahoma. Like if Jalen Redmond comes back, year two of Spencer Rattler, year three of that that uh, sophomore class of wide receivers and skilled guys, another year of Bill Biedenball putting together that offensive line where they've recruited really well in this last class. Like, hey, like we're back and running again. But like if there's a if there's a um, crack in the in the facade that you can sort of uh, make the most of, this this is the season to do it. And I think that there is a there is not. There's enough parity, enough limited separation for someone to do it this year, whether it be Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State, maybe someone else. But but those are the three that uh, that we've identified as, as most likely. So I, there's so much I do like about this Oklahoma team, and I can boil it all down into one sentence. They might just be able to outscore everybody by such a margin again that they can play you know nationally average defense and be just fine. It's very possible. Like, Lincoln Riley has done a tremendous job of going, going quarterback to quarterback, having minimal to no drop-off. I actually think they're going to be a better passing team this year in the first year of, of Spencer Rattler than they were under Jalen Hurts. I, I think Rattler is, is probably going to be a really good passer. Their, their run game will look different this year. Rattler is not uh, the tough physical type runner that Hurts was. And, of course, Hurts is like 30 pounds bigger than him. So uh, that, that would kind of follow – Last year, one of my knocks in Oklahoma was that I thought the offensive line uh, was going to take a little bit of a step back over what it was in 2017 and 2018. And I think in some regards, they did, right? I, OU did not have that perfect pressure last, or the you know, just kind of perfect pockets all the time last year uh, that they did in some of the previous years. This year, I think the offensive line you know, could be even better. They might be set up to withstand the loss of, of C.D. Lamb because of that great recruiting class that, that they've had. And I mean, Lincoln is so good at at scheming guys open. They could just outscore everybody. It's very possible. But I I, I am not one of the people that is sitting here assuming that Alex Grinch is going to see another similar jump in defense this year that he saw last year. I, I think they have some serious personnel concerns up front. I mean, look at their roster. Like, Sooners... Just pulling this up here. You guys can hear me typing on the podcast. I'm sure that's that's really pretty strong audio there. Nice job, bud. Uh, count the guys on defense who are 300 pounds or even like 290 pounds. Dude, it's not much. They they have some problems here uh, on, on, on defense as far as stopping the run, defensive bulk. I mean, if you have your Phil Steele out there, like take a look at this. So – Gallimore's gone, right? They 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 have they have a transfer. Reggie Grimes is is a obviously a, a freshman. Perion Winfrey, I think, is one we can count. He he was the uh, the junior college guy that they got to transfer in. Um, 
other than that, I mean, Jordan Kelly is. I think he's a three hundred pounder. I don't there. see one. No, like like on on the only depth chart I can actually find on the internet, it's Winfrey and then Stokes, uh, who's two seventy eight. And look, that that might work some in the Big Twelve, but I do have some concerns if you are that speed based on defense. And and at some point, you do need to take on some blocks. Maybe they're just going to be totally one gap based and and just shoot gaps all day and. And maybe that works, but they just lost Jalen Redmond. Jalen Redmond was their leading sacker last year with six and a half sacks, despite the fact that he was a freshman. He also was number two on the team uh, in terms of of run stuffs. That's pretty solid. And they lost Kenneth Murray, who was kind of the – he was their eraser last year. There were a lot of problems with that Oklahoma defense that I think Kenneth Murray really helped them erase. I mean, 17 tackles for loss, 19 and a half run stuffs, 85 tackles for him. That's a big deal to, to lose him. I have some concerns about them about them stopping the run in a league that I think may be able to run better than it did last year. Like they could lose a couple games in the Big 12. I, I, I very much think so. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I did pick Texas to beat them. Cause I actually think Texas might have better depth to be able to survive the season uh, and, and maybe win in the rematch if they're able to get. To that title game. Attrition could really hurt this Sooners team, especially on defense, if they get that far. Well, and to be, you know, f- fair, uh, so Alex Grinch, he he's he's good with having undersized guys on the defensive line. And that's sort of been his MO, and that's what he did at Washington State to to a great deal of success and sort of creating movement-based defenses and fronts and 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 being sort of a pest um for opposing offenses. But I think the you know, what you're trying to accomplish at Washington State and what you're trying to accomplish at Oklahoma are different. And so you can you can put together a scrappy eight or nine win team at Washington State and call that defense a success. And and at some of those defenses in part because of the way they created turnovers, like that's the key for Alex Grinch is 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 the the emphasis on turnovers. Can they create them? Can they up that that tally? Because ultimately what Oklahoma's yards per play defense is probably doesn't matter that much if they give Lincoln Riley an additional possession or two every game. Um, but I think, again, it's sort of, it goes back to the idea of what are you, like, what are you comparing this team to? Like, yes, like you're, I think when you have a, a, a sort of an undersized, less dominating defensive front, then you're vulnerable to, ups and downs and and a little bit more variance week by week year by year as opposed to if you're just lining up with a bunch of you know 300 pound monsters that are just gonna you know beat up whoever's in front of them um and i don't and oklahoma's not there yet and and so if it so i like i'm interested in seeing whether this this unit starts to transform whether they try, start to change the type of body types they're they're going after whether they start to recruit more more size or, or, or whether this is what, this is what Alice Grinch wants it to look like. Um, but either way, I, I agree with your point in that Oklahoma still defensively is not good enough to where we can pencil them in. Um, and I think that this is going to be a really interesting year to see if someone can take advantage of that, um, as, as, as they come, come with a, maybe a more complete balanced, uh, you know, three front team, three, uh, three phase team. It, it's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, I, 
I don't really see this team as a team that if it does make the playoffs is one that's going to make a lot of noise. Cause I, I, I kind of question if they have enough difference makers in that front seven to get it done. Maybe they do. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. They certainly have some guys who I think we liked coming out of high school who, in my opinion, are probably a year away. And this, the loss of Redmond underscores the need for them to keep stacking bodies like the, like the really elite recruiters do in college football. Because when most, excuse me, when most teams lose a Redmond, it's, it, it's like what happens here at Oklahoma. It's like it's a pretty, ba- pretty big deal. You know, if you have like a Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and you lose a Redmond, as long as you don't lose a couple other Redmond types, you're generally not screwed for the year. I'll put it this way. If you're not getting Oklahoma this year, if you can't, if you can't like dethrone Oklahoma as the Big 12 champ this year, when are you going to do it? Like there's, there's no end in sight. If that's the case, you got a couple more years of Spencer Rattler, or at least one more year. You got uh, more like the, all of a sudden, the number one quarterbacks in the country, you know, Caleb Williams from the class of 2021 is teed up for the next in line. They've, they continue to recruit skills so well. So look, if it's not going to be this year, then throw your hands up. Like I'm throwing my hands up. Like I'm just going to keep on picking them every year. So there, there is an element of just, if not, if not this year, win for, for my sort of pessimism about OU's title chances. Um, but, uh, it's a uh, man. It's a, it's a, if they figure it out, that's a heck of an indication for what's to come. There's no doubt about it. So I have Texas kind of reluctantly for the big 12. Did you go Oklahoma state in our picks? Yeah. Oklahoma state's my pick. All right. Bartman, Oklahoma state. And yet I think we both acknowledge that Oklahoma may have the best odds for a reason. We're just a little bit more skeptical than, than maybe some are out there. We might look pretty foolish for it. We'll see. I mean, they've had a pretty predictable pattern of just being able to outscore everybody uh, however much they needed to, and we'll see if they can do that again this year. But We appreciate y'all listening to the Barton and Bud podcast. This has been our Big 12 preview, and we will join you again uh, in just a couple days for some more thoughts on the season as we we push ahead towards, uh, I guess we got to call this week two, even though we only had like eight games over the weekend and, uh, you know, no, no P5 games. So, as we push forward to week two, 